2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. And this morning I want to talk about the power of God in a Christian's life. When a person gets saved, they have the power of God. The power is evident by certain scriptural consequences. That you can see these in people when a person gets saved. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5 says this, Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. In verse 5, there's three different thoughts there. First of all, it says having a form of godliness. There's certain churches and certain religions that have a form of godliness. It looks like it's spiritual. It might even sound like it's spiritual, but it's a form. It's a form of religion. Uh, there's a form of godliness. Now, the second part but denying the power thereof. Now, the power can be talked about in a lot of different ways. The power in the church is the Holy Spirit of God who convicts people. Uh, we see a, a complete lack of a Holy Spirit in, in many churches where there's no conviction. We see some churches claiming to have strange evidences of the Holy Spirit of God by people getting all excited and losing control of themselves. They think that's the Holy Spirit, not realizing the Bible says that one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. That if he really is the Holy Spirit of God, you'll have self-control. You will not lose control of yourself emotionally. But there are certain things that God gives a person that when they're really saved, there's certain power that's given, power to do certain things, power to accomplish certain things. And it's obvious to people around us. But there's a lot of churches that they have a former religion. You go there and they talk about the Bible. They talk about Christ. They have church buildings. They have church services. But the real evidence of the Holy Spirit of God in that church is not there. And then the third part in verse 5, it says, from such turn away. Don't go there. Leave. Leave and do not go back is what it's saying. When you find a church like this, it says, don't stay there. Get away from them. From such turn away. Religion has a form of Christianity, a form of religion, but they don't have the power now, what is the power? That's what I want to talk about today. What power are they missing? First of all, number one, they miss the power, the power to quit sin, to quit their sins. Not only don't they quit their sinning, but they have no desire to quit their sinning. They want to continue on the way they always have gone on. They want to continue just to do whatever they wanted to do, uh, be whatever they wanted to be. They don't preach about sins. They don't preach about repentance. They don't preach about uh, quitting your sins. But they don't have the real power to quit their sins there. You know what's an embarrassing thought for Christians? We have no excuse for our sins or our addictions. We have no excuse. God's power is greater than any of our sins. That's why the Christian has no excuse why they cannot stop their sin. They can. In fact, if they don't stop the sinning, they say, I can't stop the sinning. You know what they're doing? They're insulting God's overcoming power. They're saying, I'm saved, I'm born again, I'm a Christian, but I can't get control over this. I can't get victory over this. Let me tell you, friends, as a Christian, you can overcome any sin in your life. You can. Then why don't Christians do that? One, because maybe they're lazy, or maybe two, they're not even a Christian. I don't know. It could be part of this being a form of, of religion, a form of Christianity. But there's a power to quit your sinning. When you get saved, you want to live a holy life. 
You want to quit your sinning. You want to please the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to please a holy God. And we do serve a holy God. The Bible says, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. So churches that don't preach about quitting your sinning and don't preach that you have power over your sin and don't talk about these things, they are a church without the real power that the Bible talks about. There needs to be power over your sin. You have power over your sin when you're really a Christian. Now, it doesn't mean Christians are perfect. No. Let me get the right understanding on this. But those people that just say, well, Christians aren't perfect, they're just forgiven. I don't like that. I've never liked that bumper sticker. It's almost excusing people's sins. I talk to people like this. They say, well, Pastor, I, I have a problem in this area. I know it's not good. I know I shouldn't be doing that. But the Bible says I'm forgiven, and I know the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm saved. And so they take it so lightly. No, that's one of those churches. That's one of those people where they deny the power of God. And they only have a form of religion or Christianity because they don't quit their sinning. Now, in Romans chapter 6, verse number 1, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And Paul answers that in verse 2 with two words. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Then in verse 6, knowing this, that our old man, the old nature, is crucified with him, with Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, from the time that we're saved, we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. When you're physically dead, you're freed from sin. That body does not sin anymore. And so Paul uses that as an illustration right here. Power to quit sinning. That's one thing the power of God does. That's one thing the Holy Spirit of God does. It gives you the ability and the power to quit your sin. Now again, we will be wrestling with this the rest of our lives until we get into heaven. I'll be glad someday I'll be rid of this old nature. I'll be glad someday when my, I'll be in heaven with the Lord and I'll, I'll not have the old nature anymore. But the old nature is still there. And we can still be tempted. That's why David sinned. That's why Samson sinned. That's why others in the Old Testament and New Testament, as good Christians and great Christian examples, did some things wrong at times, but they didn't live in, in that condition. Those were one-time occurrences that they dealt with, that they confessed, that they repented of, and God forgave them of. But when you go to church, they make light of sin. It doesn't matter how you act. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter if you tell some dirty jokes. It doesn't matter if you cuss and swear. It doesn't matter how you dress. It doesn't matter if you turn from some of your addictions. It doesn't matter if you drink beer. It doesn't matter if you go to the bars and corner with bars. It doesn't matter if you watch some pornography. I mean, it doesn't matter about those things. Those are churches without power. Those are churches that are just a form of Christianity. You see, the power of God changes a person morally. They desire to live right, and they want to please the Lord Jesus Christ, and it burdens their heart when they sin. So there's power to quit sin. Uh, praise the Lord, I've got victory in my sin. It doesn't mean I'm never tempted. No, no Christian is never tempted. We're tempted at times, but we've got power over sin. And we've got available a power in our lives over any sin in our life. Therefore, as a Christian, we have no excuse 
to sin. We can't say things like people do. Well, I know I shouldn't be doing this, or I know I shouldn't be doing that, but God understands, and God's forgiven me. No, that's a form of Christianity. That's not biblical Christianity. Number two, is power to make you happy. I, I was happy before I got saved, and since I've been saved, I'm happier. And by the way, I'll be even happier 100 years from now. But the gospel and the power of God, and this power we're talking about, has the ability to make people happy. If you're bored with your Christianity, what's the problem? But being saved makes me happy. I know where I'm going to spend eternity someday. I know I have the Lord now. He's changed my life. He's made a difference in my life. And I am happier now than I ever was before I got saved. And if you're not saved this morning, you don't know the difference. All you can do is listen to what I have to say. Now, here's the problem. People don't believe that, that serving Jesus Christ and being saved can make you happier than sin. And this is the devil's lie. This is Satan's lie. He says, and he convinces people, that sin is fun and that Christians are boring. Amen? What do Christians do for fun? We go to church. Church is fun. Reading the Bible is exciting. Serving God is more fulfilling than anything you can do in this world. Amen. If you don't believe that, and you're not living that, and you're not serving the Lord completely, and doing what He wants you to do, you really don't believe that. You have a form of religion. You really don't have faith, and you don't have the power of God, because the power that God gives you is the power to have joy. Jesus Christ gives you joy. Reading the Bible gives you joy. It's an exciting life when you're saved. If you really don't believe that, if you believe the world can make you happier, it shows something about your Christianity. Well, I enjoy serving the Lord. The Lord makes me happy. Serving the Lord in this way, it gives fulfillment to my life. It gives a joy to my life more than that sin ever did. Because sin has consequences. And the world will drag you down. But the Lord lifts you up all the time. And he gives you a joy in your heart that this world knows nothing about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's because you don't have what I have. You don't have the faith of the Bible. Because the Bible says the Lord can make you happy. He's my delight. He's my joy. Be careful that when you think that the world and the, the allurements of the world and the sin of the world can make you happier than the Lord can. You really don't believe this Bible. My peace I give unto you, not as the world give I give unto you. That's what the Lord said. My peace. He gives a joy. He gives a peace. He gives fulfillment in this world. That's the power. You have a joy in your life you never had before. It's a duty? No, it's a joy. It's a joy to serve the Lord. Number three, another power he gives us is the power of confidence power of confidence to know certain things. Now, I'm going to give you three quick verses this morning. I'm going to take the time to look them up. Look them up with me if you would. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. I'm going to show you some things that you can know. See, when I got saved, I went from ignorance to knowledge. Before I was saved, I didn't know if I was going to go to heaven or hell. I didn't know if there really was a life after death. I believed the Bible, so I did believe there was a heaven and hell. I believed the Bible even before I was a Christian. I believed in Christ before I was a Christian. 
I believed he was God. I believed he died for my sins. I believe his words are recorded in the Bible. I believed in Christ before I was a Christian. What's the difference? Well, when you surrender yourself to him. We'll talk about that. But number three, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Certain things I know now. It says, and we know. There's a the word, K-N-O-W. We have knowledge. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Now what does he know here? He knows the Lord Jesus Christ. For I know whom, whom that's the Lord, I know him. I know him personally. I don't just know about him, but I know him. And 1 John chapter 5 Verse number 13, it talks about salvation there. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have, have, present tense, right now, have eternal life. I already have eternal life. I don't have to wait until I die to see if I make it to heaven or not. Something God wants you to know is that you're going to go to heaven someday, and you can know that now, right here. You don't get eternal life when you die. You know when you get eternal life? You get eternal life when you accept Jesus Christ. You get eternal life at that instant. You get eternal life. You can't lose eternal life. If you could lose it, it wouldn't be called eternal life. He couldn't say you have. He might say in the future you might get eternal life, or there's a good possibility you might have eternal life, but not according to 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. Here's something you could know. You can know you're going to heaven when you leave this world. You can know that now. What kind of peace could we have if we thought we could still die lost in our sins and end up in hell forever? If I thought I could lose my salvation, or if I thought you couldn't know until that final day, I'd, I'd be worried sick until then. Am I going to make it? There's no peace in that. The Bible uses the word hope as a word of assurance and certainty. It's the hope we have. It's something we know is going to happen for sure. It just has not happened yet. But friends, you get eternal life when you accept Jesus Christ. You don't get eternal life when you die. It's too late then. You need to know the Lord before that. But he gives you certain things you can know. You can know that all things work together for good to them that are called according to his purpose. God will allow and have everything in your life for your spiritual betterment. Everything that happens to you, God will turn around for your good. Isn't that a blessing? You need to believe that. Some churches don't preach that you're going to have confidence about eternal life. Some preach you're going to lose your salvation. See, they don't have the power of confidence there, do they? They don't believe what the Bible says that I know. Paul knew that. John knew that. The apostles knew that. Christians can know that today. And any church that preaches you can lose your salvation and does not have the power of confidence and the power of assurance that the Bible gives here. You can know whether you're going to heaven or not. You can know those things when you're born again. And he wants you to have that blessing. Point number four, another power that some churches don't have is the power of love, to love, to love people. It's not easy to love people that are unlovable. In Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6, it says, Love is stronger than death. But also we need to understand and realize that when a person gets saved, they have a new power to love people they never loved before. Those people that aggravated you, maybe they still <laughs> aggravate you, but you're still concerned about them. The power of love, how love changes us, how that love, even if it hurts you, like the Lord Jesus Christ, as those nails are being driven into his hands, 
But what kept him there? It wasn't the nails. He showed in the garden all he had to do was say two words. And the men just fell back with the power of the words. He said, I am. He could have called 10,000 angels like the song says. He could have called legion of angels and taken them off that cross. It wasn't the nails that kept him there. It was his love. Because he had to do for us what no man could do for us. He had to take our penalty upon him. He had to be punished by God the Father for our sins. That's the power of our love. That's why when we get saved and a person gets saved, they start to love people around them now like they never did before. Even if they're aggravating people, even if they're people hard to get along with, you care about them, you love them, you work with them, you do the best you can. Even if it hurts, like it hurt the Lord to hang on Calvary's cross. The power, the power to show biblical, scriptural love to people. Today we still have people in churches claiming to be Christians that still aggravated with people and they're griping about people and they slander and they gossip about people and they in their heart they don't like certain people and they're upset about things and they got bitterness they got all these things in their hearts in their hearts where's the love see those are the kind of churches those are the kind of churches where it's a form of religion but there's no real love there point number five there's a power to change a person and when a person gets saved they are changed 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 talks about that. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He's changed. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When a person gets saved, there's a dramatic change in their life, according to verse 17. Uh, old things, sinful things are put away. Uh, holy things, righteous things, godly things, Christian things are now added, are put on. And their whole life just changes. There's such a change in the vigil that people see that change. They see that you're not going to the same place anymore. They see that you're not talking the same way anymore. They see the changes in you. If there's no change, there's no salvation. I was talking to someone just a few months ago. We are talking about someone that made a profession of faith. And I said, I told the person, I was a little blunt with them. I said, you know, I never really believed they got really saved. And the person looked at me puzzled and he says, why do you say that? You know why I said that? Because there was no change. What they were before they made this prayer profession of faith, they were the same afterwards. They said a prayer, but nothing changed. Didn't go to church, didn't read the Bible, didn't witness people, had no burden for lost souls. There was no change, no change. You look for the spiritual change. And so when the power that God does, he changes people. We used to talk about someone getting really saved. You know what that means? They really got saved. Because you saw the change. When they talk about somebody who got religion, that is a lost person who doesn't understand it, trying to explain what happened to somebody. Because now they're going to church, now they're reading the Bible, now they're passing out tracts, now they're witnessing the people, now they're concerned about the Christ and the Bible, what the Bible says, now they've stopped going to a certain place and they're starting to go to other places. Now, there was a big change. That's what I'm talking about. You see, when there are certain churches that say, you're saved, you, you pray that prayer, you just haven't grown in the Lord, all these things, be careful of that. The Bible says, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that when a person really gets saved, therefore, if, if, that's one of those big little words in the Bible, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What am I saying? I'm saying that when a person is really saved, there's going to be a change. 
They're going to want to come to church. They're going to want to read the Bible. They're going to have a burden for lost souls around them. They're going to care about people getting saved. They're going to want to please the Lord. They're going to want to clean up their old life. That's what I'm saying. There's going to be a change. If there's no change, there's no salvation. I'm sorry, I take a strong stand on that because I don't want to lie to people. I don't want to tell people, oh, you're saved. You prayed that prayer. You made a profession of faith. You're saved. No, you're not. If there was no change, there's no salvation. And there's a lot of people that are going around thinking they're saved who are not saved. A lot of people believe in Christ who are not Christians. A lot of people have prayed that prayer, but where are they now? For years and years and years, tens of, yeah, 10 years, 20 years, haven't been in church hardly at all, uh, never read the Bible, live like the world, do the things in the world. Maybe they're not serial killers. Maybe they're not alcoholics and drunkards. Maybe they're going around telling dirty jokes and, and robbing banks. Maybe they're not that bad. They're just normal people like other people are, but they are ungodly. Where's the change? There's got to be a change. See, the power is the person's changed. Are they ever changed? And everyone sees it, and they're not ashamed of it. They're glad they're changed. They're rejoicing they're changed. But there's got to be a change. Friends, there's got to be a change. Got to be. So point number five, there's got to be a change, power to change a person. They've got to be different afterwards. And number six is the last one I'll just spend a minute on, the power of faith. The power of faith in Hebrews, book of Hebrews, chapter number 11. There's many ways I preached on faith before, and I'm going to bring up just something a little different today. And there's so many different thoughts can be said about it. The power of faith is the power to stand against things. There's a power in faith because you believe the Bible. And yes, like we said earlier, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You've got to take in the Bible. You've got to take in the Word of God. This tells you how to be saved. This tells you about the future. This tells you about who God is, the real and only living God. This book right here is his revelation. Heaven or shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. This book right here is the word of the living God. The word of God today is in printed form. You can read it. It's right here. Perfect. The power of faith to stand against things. Now, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Churches are like that. Some Christians, professing Christians like that. The kind of power is the power to quit sin. Quit your sin. Quit loving it. The power is to make you happy. The Lord will make you happier than anything in the world will or can, because you're a Christian. The power to have assurance and confidence of salvation. The power of biblical scriptural love to love everybody and want to see them saved the power to change a person friend there's got to be a change if there's no change there's no salvation did i convince you this morning i mean i was yelling about it today did you get it i was trying to make my point if there's no change there's no salvation it doesn't matter how many times they pray it doesn't matter how many professions of faith they made if there's no change god did not accept it god changes us supernaturally when you're saved there's got to be a change, a change to scriptural, biblical, Christian things. And then also the power of faith, to believe what the Bible says and stand even against things. Do you have it today? Do you have it today? Father, thank you for the service. Thank you for all the people here, too. Just provide our spiritual needs, whatever they are, whatever they are. I don't know people's hearts, but, Lord, you certainly do. 
But I do know when a person's really saved, there's a power that changes them in so many ways. Away from the things of the world, its attractions, its allurements, they don't desire those anymore. They desire now spiritual things. The Lord serving him. There's such a change, such a change. So Father, I pray you work in people's hearts again. Give, uh, provide the spiritual needs. Amen.